Breakdown podcast is sponsored by Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel. They make kit that is sustainably sourced, made from coffee granules, so it is odor-resistant and enables you to go into the coffee shop free in the knowledge that you're not going to be stinking out the place. It's stylish kit. I mean, some of the best-looking kit out there at the moment. If you buy a jersey at the moment, uh, they're going to be contributing to the Eden Reforestation Project, which means that if you buy a jersey, you're essentially planting five trees. They're already committed to planting 2,500 trees as part of that initiative. In an exciting new update, the current uh, shipment of jerseys have all been made and finished. They're now just being shipped. Um, I saw a tweet the other day um, which um, showed that they were arrived in the back of a big van and there's quite a lot of stuff there. So that stuff's getting shipped out to the people who supported the, the Kickstarter and did some pre-orders. So hopefully you should be getting your stuff soon. If you haven't uh, jumped on board yet, you can go to the online store at www.com.au and check out the amazing stylish kit that they've got on offer there. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger, as always, and joined this time for a very special episode with Women's World Tour rider uh, from the newly minted Mitchell and Scott. Um, it is Gracie Elvin, two-time national champion and second at the Tour of Flanders this year. Gracie, um, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts already and um, it's nice to be on board. Well, that's that's how we got the in with you. Obviously, we had to invite Stu uh, Stu Shaw along for a few of them, just so we could get the inroads to get you on a later podcast. Obviously, oh, that's not true. He's um he's worth talking <laughs> to in his own right. <laughs> yes, yeah, Stu, Stu is obviously great on uh, his podcast, especially talking 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 about the development riders and talking about um, the tactics that go into the races as well. I mean, it's interesting to get his perspective on things and. You know, great to see him get a new job um, up there at the as a high performance um, coordinator up there with the Bell Academy of Cycling up there in the Sunshine Coast University. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's been a big influence in Australian racing for a long time. He's definitely been a big influence to me and my um, development of skills and experience. So I'm super excited for him to be able to take this opportunity and, and work in an area that he's really passionate about in high-performance sport and um, working with people to be their best selves. And I think this new project up at the Sunshine Coast is really the perfect fit for him to move across careers and um, we'll be moving up there too. So it's a big bit of a change for me, but um, they're embracing it. Yeah, and while some of the gossip around Canberra was that um, that he'd be going over to Europe and seeing you watch, watch you race a bit um, over the next season as well, is that going to be happening? Yeah, we've been working pretty hard for a few years now to get him over there a bit more to, to be with me. So um, this new opportunity with the ACA is going to give him that bit of extra time that he couldn't really have in his current job. So, yeah, I'm going to get him over for a really big chunk of time next year. And I think that's going to be a really um, important place for us to be together, both for our relationship and also in my performance. And, um, yeah, I really love hanging out with him and he's really good to train with too so I'm pretty excited to have him over there a bit more. Yeah I was going to get into this topic a bit later not not so much you and Stu but uh, more the general lifestyle of being um, an overseas um, cyclist especially an Australian one going over to Europe and having to you know meld in with the culture with, without necessarily knowing a lot of people over there. Um, how, how difficult can that be um, for like your ground your ground based um starting cyclists trying to go over and make a career of it? Yeah, it's definitely harder for Australians because we don't have that, that family and friends base over there. So um, I've been lucky to be part of the Green Edge team for a long time. So I've had um, teammates to hang out with in, um, in Italy for, for that whole time. But um, for a lot of Australians, they set up base in Girona. Um, that works really well. They have good friends there and um, make new friends in other uh, from other nationalities. It's hard when you have a partner that can't come over and be with you all the time either, especially if you're married. <laughs> but even if you're not, it's still a big uh, factor in everybody's lives. So it's um, slowly becoming a, a real 
viable career now. So we're going to see more riders like me being able to have their partners over there more. So it's pretty cool to see all that changing. Um, the women's development team obviously won't be around next year. Um, we've been talking to Michelle Gilmore and she's she said that it won't be around. It's certainly not in any version funded by her and Cycling Australia have shown that they're not particularly interested in funding the women's development team. Obviously, that's been a big party in the progression of a lot of riders. Um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone, maybe aside from Chloe Hosking, who wasn't involved with the women's development team in terms of getting over to Europe and making a name for themselves. Um, do you think that's going to have a bit of a detrimental impact on, you know, the number of Australians we're going to see going out over and, you know, making a career of it in Europe? There's, there's always other options, but I think it is going to make an impact, unfortunately. It was really great to have Rochelle Gilmore step in and, and help Cycling Australia out for the last couple of years with that team. Um, I think that really helped shape a couple of riders' careers going forward. And um, for myself, being part of the national team back in 2012, that really got my foot in the door. So, yeah, it's going to be a big loss to Aussie Cycling, but I think there's been enough pathways forged now by people like Chloe Hosking and um, Tiff Cromwell even. Um, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, even going to America is a really good option, but um, we just need to um, be really open in communication now and allow uh, those younger or developing riders be able to reach out to us who are more experienced and have some more answers and just let them know that they can ask as many questions as possible because yeah, that option isn't there anymore, so they'll have to find their own way. And it is going to be harder for them, but it is possible as well. Yeah, and like you said, like you mentioned America before, um, Shannon Melsey's heading over there next year, and we've seen riders like Loretta Hansen go over there in the past. Um, Kimberly Wells did, a, did quite a, did an extended stint over there as well. So, you know, there, there are definitely options, uh, but it might be, might be a bit tricky um, in terms of, you know, forging a career. Um, you do need to probably get to Europe to really you know get a bit more certainty these days and it's good to see that with the women's world tour these days um they're handing out um more multi-year contracts to riders within the peloton which is you know gratifying to see because before it's been almost entirely those single year contracts that we've seen handed out to even the top professional riders yeah that's really cool to see all yeah. of that the professionalism changing and definitely becoming a bit more like men's cycling in the good ways and um, and keeping what's good about women's cycling as well because it is different to men's cycling. Just uh, seeing those multi-year contracts for many of us now is really showing riders that you can, you know, call it a career. Okay, um, yeah, we'll jump into a few of the Australians now and talk about how they've been uh, going in recent, in recent times because I think it's been arguably the best year ever for Australian cyclists. I mean, maybe not in terms of... The, like the actual wins and and um, on the circuit, but in terms of a consistent, high-performing group of athletes, you know, across a number of teams, it's been one of the you know one of the top um, top-performing years, I'd say, for Australians. Um, so we'll start with yourself. Um, <laughs> second at Tour of Flanders, second at Dwarves Door Vlaanderen, um, second in a stage of Ladies Tour of Norway, and to be honest, this year, I mean, taking uh, great results in some of those. Uh, cobbled classics there. Um, what was what was that like for you this year? Yeah, this has definitely been my best year. It, it's a bit frustrating that there was a lot of second places, but um, I really have to tell myself that that's still really good. Like that's world class, and those races that I was second at, particularly Flanders, those are the best fields in the world. And Flanders is often seen as the other world championships of the year. So. Um, while a win would have been the fairy tale, second place is still pretty awesome and I feel like I can still convert some of my performance issues into wins in the future. So pretty cool to feel like I haven't hit my peak yet. So we'll just see how it goes. But um, definitely feeling positive for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, you've, you've really transformed the way that you've ridden over the past few seasons because you used to be, you know, essentially for those uh, flatter and hilly and you know slightly hilly races but then you really added some climbing ability to your to your to your dimensions as a cyclist um mostly to get on that olympic squad from what i understand um how has that i mean how has that added to what you've become as a cyclist these days yeah that's right i've definitely improved my climbing qualities it's, it's always been a bit of a weakness of mine but 
I think I've got the capability to climb well and luckily I've had a few key people along the way to keep me um, keep me thinking that not just kind of um, putting myself in that little um, that box of this is the only racing I can do so like my husband Stu and my dad and some coaches along the way have always been very positive about my climbing abilities so that's been really good to have that extra bit of motivation there for them telling me yeah just just do it <laughs> so I've worked really hard and I've done so much climbing in training and especially going up into the mountains and last year going up to the Italian Alps with Stu and a couple of my teammates including Anime and Bluton so there was many days that I would have to stop on the side of those roads and and uh, not cry because I was just completely in the box and everyone else just looked like they were tapping away. <laughs> so that definitely helped me those, those days on the bike. Oh, sorry, yeah. I mean, you've got some very impressive climbers, obviously, on the Orica. Oh, sorry, not the Orica Scott, the Mitchell and Scott te team um, these days. Um, Anna McVan Bluton, uh, who's recently voted the best cyclist, uh, best female cyclist in the world, according to Cycling News. Um, I thought Anna, I thought um, Anna van der Breggen was a bit hard done by there after winning all three Ardennes and the Giro uh, and the um, Giro Rosa there, but um, nonetheless, I mean Anna van Bluton is right in that conversation, isn't she? Oh yeah, she's she's an amazing rider, and I'm I'm really lucky to call her a friend and a teammate. So she's been um, one of my biggest supporters the last couple of seasons. She'll even come up to me in the middle of a race and be like, you can win this, you're looking good. And I don't know, just moments like that and, and working together to, to win these big races is really special. And, and suffering behind her in those training days too, it's, it's all really good. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, well, we'll jump into some more Australians now. And you said before that it was probably your best season of your career, but it's been the best season for a number of Australians' careers um, in 2017. Um, starting with Sarah Roy, um, she absolutely exploded out of the blocks this year and took um, a number of really good results, um, including a third at uh, GP du Plouet, a third at Omloop van Het Hagland, and uh, first at, in the stage of the Tour of Britain there, and a number of good results in Chongming as well. But um, has, I mean, she's a bit of an older rider in terms of um the peloton i mean she'd be 31 i think at the moment and yeah she's just appearing to hit her straps right now so it's great to see yeah she's certainly uh, very talented and there was never any question about that but she just um, struggled a little bit with consistency for a few years there but the last couple of seasons she's been really able to string a lot of things together and it's awesome to see her getting those results now because she can do it and um it's been cool to be on the team for some of those days and give her that full support. So I think she's got a bit more in her again next year. So um, she's, yeah, she's a bit like me too, like can do a bit of everything. So we do have a lot of opportunities in some of these races in women's cycling that you need to be a bit of an all-rounder. So yeah, it's just getting that extra bit of experience now for her is, is going really well. So it's cool to see. Um, Amanda Spratt, um, obviously probably Australia's best climber at the moment, or maybe Shara Gillow, chuck her in there as well, but fifth at the Giro Rosa, which is, I think, Australia's best result ever in um, the Giro Rosa. And uh, first, obviously, at the Women's TDU, took second at National Championships Road Race, and good results at Strada Bianca um, and Omelette Het Newsbag, which is maybe a bit of a surprise, because that's a, as regarded as like a hard women's race there, I mean, it's not uh, not traditionally one for the smaller riders, but she did great there. And sixth at La Course when she looked, uh, she was in third place for a, a long time there, but she sort of faded towards the end, but still an amazing performance there. Yeah, she's definitely had arguably her best year ever and definitely climbing-wise, she's kind of taken not just one step, but many steps. And um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. That Giro Rosa performance was incredible. And, and then backing up with La Course as well, only... Uh, just over a week after that, um, she's she's certainly showing that she's one of the best climbers, not just in Australia, but in the world. And we both share the same coach, so that's one of the reasons why I might be climbing a bit better, because he's getting us to do pretty similar sessions. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I remember seeing her at the um, Bay Criteriums and um, I think Pat Shaw uh, made a comment of she looks amazing compared to the other riders there and you could tell that she was coming in for a big summer um, off some pretty strong form and she'd, been, um, she'd also been lighting it up on a number of the Strava segments. Um, I remember going into that um, summer. So, I don't know, are we expecting a similar thing from her this um, this 2018 summer, do you think? Definitely, yeah. She's she's targeting some pretty hilly races next year, and um, with the team that we have lining up for these races, she's got a really good opportunity to pull off some really big results, particularly in those Ardennes classics. So I'm pretty excited to see what she can do. She was already uh, kicking my ass at training camp the other week, so <laughs> I think um, things are looking good. Oh, yeah, of course. How did training camp go? I forgot to mention that. I mean, there's been a a few new riders to your roster, uh, to your roster, um, Lucy Kennedy, obviously the Australian who, I've, who we've chatted to on the podcast in the past, um, excellent climber in her, in her own right, um, and uh, Jolene Dior. I'm not sure if you made it down for the training camp, but um, obviously two big additions to your roster. Yeah, we were lucky. We had everyone there for the, the week in Bright, um, including Jolene. So it was really good. We got together for some pretty solid training but we were mostly there just to get together as a team and um, do some goal setting and some um, some really good team bonding stuff so for our team the atmosphere and values and the way we conduct ourselves is really important so we use that camp at the end of the year going into the next season to really nail that stuff and then working on the bike is also good too we always go for the town signs try and beat each other every time. So we're all pretty knackered by the end of it. Did anyone approach um, Yelling Door in the sprints there to the, to the town sides or not really? Oh, she's quick. She's going to be a hard one to beat next year. So I'm pretty glad that I'll be there leading her out and not racing against her. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, talk, talking about Australians, um, well, actually one, one person who left, left your team this year is uh, Catherine Garfoot. And um, obviously she's uh, taking a different direction uh, in her life uh, from now on. Um, though, she'll, though she indicated that she'll be, you know, keeping, keeping fit enough to be uh, going well for the Commonwealth Games. Um, it'll be interesting to see how she manages that, I suppose, going into the next. But um, regardless, she had an amazing 2017. Um, Silver uh, in the Road Race World Championships and bronze in the World, in the world uh, Championships. Uh, time trial and obviously the double at the nationals TT in road race as well and yeah a bunch of strong performances throughout the year to go on top of that um I don't know have we have we seen the best of Katrin or has she still got plenty to go because it seems that she just keeps on getting better and better yeah she's an incredible athlete and I don't think we have seen the best of her, but um, I think those world championships performances in both the time trial and the road race were pretty special. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool to see that. And, and for her, I think it's a bit of a mental game too. So she's had a few big results over the years, but maybe something was letting her down in her confidence or um, nervousness or something like that. So she, I think she really nailed it in Bergen and to see her um, get that really sharp focus and um, do everything right and get those performances because her ability is just off the charts. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see. So I think we're going to see some pretty big things from her at the Com Games. And then who knows after, she's kind of hinted that she might come back for Tokyo depending on what the family situation is. So I think, yeah, she's definitely got a lot left in her. Mm. Um, what, what was the atmosphere like within the Australian squad at in Bergen, um, in Bergen, Norway there, because um, you were part of that squad, obviously, um, though your results weren't initially registered and people were wondering, oh, God, did she crash? Is she okay? What's, what's going on? Yeah, no, it was a really good atmosphere between the seven of us, and I'm really glad it was seven at the end of the day. Uh, we really came together as a team, and I think um, even if all of that drama beforehand hadn't happened, I think we still would have got those results. Um, we were all super fit. We're all very motivated. We've just all come off such a good season. It was a good course for us. So it might have given us a bit of extra drive to go through that drama, but I think at the end of the day, we're all capable of it anyway. So it was pretty nice to be part of that team. And we've all raced together before, so I don't think there was anyone new there that hadn't raced together. 
So it was nice to be part of that really experienced group. Yeah, you made a comment um, after you'd been selected. You were part of the initial uh, five women selection to the uh, to the squad, and you made a comment that um, you were gratified to be selected, but you were sorry that it that it came under the circumstances of people missing out um, and you know taking less than a comp- less of a compliment than we could have had uh, on the start line. Um, I, I imagine you were gratified to see that um, that decision was indeed overturned after. Um, after a few well, a few weeks of being fought? Yeah, it was really important that Chloe and Rachel put up that appeal because internally there wasn't much more that we could do, unfortunately. So for them to put up that fight and do it really well was really important for women's cycling. And, um, yeah, we were very happy that they made the team in the end of the day. We needed them, that's for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, bloody tough race there. I mean, going up um, that Salmon Hill all those times, and it reminded me a bit, bit of nationals. Actually, was it was it a similar course to the Bunningong uh, Mount Bunningong climb? Yeah, actually, it was quite similar. We kind of thought that initially when we first saw the course coming out online, and then going to see it for recon, we thought, oh, maybe this is going to be harder. And the race is really going to split up. But then when we saw in some of the races, like the under-23s and the juniors, it still wasn't splitting up a lot. And that kind of happens at Bunningong as well. It, it's quite a fast climb, even though it's hard. Um, the bunch tends to stay together until only the last few laps, and then it really blows apart. So, yeah, that was what we kind of saw in Bergen. I was surprised that it didn't blow up more than it did. So, yeah, it was it was a very hard course at the end of the day. But... um. Yeah, there was still a lot of riders there at the finish that I didn't expect. I imagine you'd have been um, very glad to see that um, Kat took the second place there. I mean, it would have been probably a bit above expectations there, especially with, you know, an immensely strong Dutch team um, going into the race. Yeah, it was really the Dutch team that I think all our eyes were on, including ours, and it was really hard to not have the race dictated by them. We really tried to stick to our plan, but at the end of the day, they just had one extra rider than us and they're all super strong too. So we were pretty well matched to them, but it was we were still slightly out of favour in those odds. Um, but yeah, having Katrin get that result was it was super exciting, but I think mostly a big relief <laughs> that one of us got that result. Yeah, I mean, it looked like you'd all been given the instruction of trying to make every single move that went away. And I think we saw Australian representation in in almost every move that went away. And um, it was Sarah Roy who was away there last, I think, before that final group formed with um, Katrin, uh, Anamik, Anna van der Breggen, uh, Chantal Black and Katazina Nivia Doma, I think, as well. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you you guys all did your job there, just... uh, you know, you can't you can't win too many races when you three versus um, three versus two uh, with the Dutch. We did the best job that we could, and all seven of us did what we had to do. So there was certainly you can't have a perfect race. Even if you win the race, you've made mistakes. So we did have have a little bit of a talk about it afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think we all just did the best that we could. What's the um, environment like? I mean, you mentioned that you all raced together before, but I mean, it's not like you race together often. A lot of the team members are Mitchell and Scott, or Orca Scott as it was then. But there isn't necessarily the same chemistry between that and the national team. Um, how does that work going to, you know, convening like once a year to all, all decide to race together and um, race for the ultimate goal of Australia um, on top of the World Championships podium? Yeah, in, in general, we all come together really well and we work together well. It's usually a good environment. But it is a shame that we don't get to race together as a team in practice races beforehand. But there's not really a lot of opportunity to do that because we're all obligated to our trade teams. So maybe in the future we could have a training camp mid-season for targeted riders for big events but or maybe go to smaller races like one-day Italian or Belgian races. To, to get that um, race experience together before a major event. But in general, yeah, like I said, we, we're professionals at the end of the day, so we make it work. Hi, guys, it's Jamie from the future. Um, just jumping in to uh, let you know what's coming up next. Um, it's an interview with Rochelle Gilmore. Um, I don't give her a, a proper 
uh, intro uh, during the interview because it was just an interview meant for print and not necessarily for uh, a podcast recording, um, hence why the audio isn't amazing. Uh, but Michelle is, of course, an ex-cyclist, uh, former Commonwealth Games winner and experienced pro on the on the professional circuit and now owns all the Wiggle teams, so you Wiggle High Five, uh, High Five Dream Team and the High Five National Development Team. And unfortunately, two of those won't be continuing uh, into 2018. So we talk about a bit about that, a bit about uh, Wiggle High Five for the future and a bit about, you know, the future of Australian cycling. So sit back and enjoy. Yeah, so that jumped into what I wanted to chat about, essentially. Yeah. Um, your your various teams that you've got um, running, um, and specifically the High Five Dream Team. I, I mean, I've heard that it won't be continuing for 2018. Yeah, I've not informed anyone of that, um, except for Donna, who's um, my assistant DS at Wiggle, um, who was quite involved with the operations at the High Five Dream Team. Um, she was the manager of the team, and I've spoken to her about the unlikeliness of continuing. Um, and the decision... I wouldn't say it's 100% made yet, but um, 90% not going ahead with the NRS team purely due to the fact that Cycling Australia are not, at the moment, willing to fund or resource a, um, I say fund, they'll never fully fund because the last few years I've fully funded it and they've resourced the national team. But without the national team, I find it difficult to invest money into the development of women's cycling when there's not a, um, a clear structure and pathway for them to get to Europe. My feeling is that we created the High Five Dream Team to have very professional support and to develop and teach them how to race as a team, but also a number of riders going to the national team and teaching them how to go about getting a pro contract and making a career out of cycling. So the High Five Dream Team was more about the education of making the step to the professional ranks in Europe, how to live in Europe, how to obtain contracts, how to negotiate, all that kind of stuff. Um, And it is very difficult to justify investing in that structure when there's not the next step, which was the national team. And we also had had some support for the Dream Team with staffing um, costs from the um, Combined State Institutes under the banner of Cycling Australia. So um, because all this funding's been pulled and it's difficult for me to run a team from Europe back here without knowing that an organisation like CA are um, involved and sharing staff and supporting the program. My personal role came into when the girls came over to Europe, having time to talk to them about where they're at um, on the feedback from the national coaches and stuff back in Australia that were witnessing their NRS racing. So for me, it's um, really disappointing that the national team might come to an end. Um, It was a program that I supported um, the last few years and also was the the way that I got over to Europe. And at that time, my uh, family situation wasn't so strong as it is now. And I don't know whether I would have ever had the opportunity to go over to Europe and turn professional and have 15 years of the dream life. So, um, yeah, without that national program and support from Cycling Australia to develop the female road cyclists, I can't do it alone. I can, I could, but it, it wouldn't be as productive. I'd have to go back and crunch the numbers on exactly how many um, how many Australian cyclists over in Europe have come have gone there because of the national development program. But it'd be you know the vast majority of them. Um, but not only that, mm. not only that, a lot of the national um, the girls that do go over to Europe into a, um, a team where they don't get a lot of support and they don't get starts in all the races, like even. T- this year, um, you'll see a number of the pros using the national team. So it's it's a structure behind, you know, confidence behind them signing with a team that may only give them a few races in the year. But knowing I have two months when the national team come over, and that's when you see people like Gracie Elgin, Rach Nail, and all these riders pop into the national team. So um, it's supported not only, you know, athletes to get into pro teams, but it still has supported athletes who you know, have the confidence that if they sign with the pro team, they've still got this security of the national team coming over at a certain period of time. So, and if you talk to some of the pro riders that have used the national team, they'll they'll vouch for the fact that it's um, a very big um, part of their program, knowing that they'll definitely have that secured racing. So, Just on a personal level, um, does, I mean, obviously you want to have a, a direct impact on, 
on Australian women's cycling. Um, does I mean, does this hurt in, in some ways? I mean, that's maybe not the right word. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really hurt, like um, hurt and frustrated and a bit pissed off. And um, I know that my quality of life in some ways will be affected because whilst the um, riders of the High Five Dream Team didn't hear from me that often, it gave me so much pleasure to know that I was giving them opportunity and supporting them with the best structure and, and equipment and, you know, support like that that they could have at an NRS level. So... Um, it'll take a lot of pleasure away from me. And uh, for the last couple of years, I've since we went from to world number one and we're dealing with the Olympic kind of gold medal standard of riders, there's a very high expectation to deliver for those riders, whereas with the national team and the High Five Dream team, the riders are, are appreciative of every single little opportunity that they get. And um, for me, it was such a pleasure to be able to do that. And... Um, yeah, I'm obviously very sad that I can't continue to do that without the support of South in Australia. Um, okay, well, changing gears now into a bit more positive news, um, and you're giving a few different athletes um, opportunities next year through um, Wiggle High Five. Yeah, um, yeah. And Macy Stewart's probably the big name who's who's coming back to the sport. Um, I mean, obviously that's that's great news to have Macy back on board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm super excited about it. And um, obviously she has the potential and she's shown recently in the Oceana Games that she's serious about this comeback. And I'm very honoured that she, she's chosen to come into our team. And um, we, I think she probably would have also had the opportunity to go through the pathway of Orica, but perhaps she wanted to try something different. Um, as you probably know, she, she had a couple of years out. Obviously a change will be good for her and um, she seems very motivated. So... Cheers. I mean, nobody wins a couple of World Junior Championships without having talent. We know that she's got that. And um, I think she needs the environment that we have. Um, and I, I don't know if you could say it's less serious. It maybe is less pressure and less, less serious than working under the branch of your national team or your national coaches or how it has been a little bit in the past with Orica. Um, it's, a, it's a fun environment on the road and um, we we don't, necessarily put pressure on our well we don't put pressure on our athletes not I think in the first year I may have for the second year but um now uh you know we work with such high high level athletes that you know if nothing you say or do apart from supply them and um you know the structure and the network that they need um you know at the end of the day it's the pressure they put on themselves so um I think I think this environment that we have will really suit Macy um I think she'll live with a few friends in Drona in uh, Europe and uh, she she particularly needs to really balance her lifestyle versus professional sport for the next couple of years and not get too, you know, too much pressure on her from outside herself. Yeah, and um, she's part of um, that track development as well, well, not development, um, that track squad, which is going to be pushing on to Tokyo 2020. And obviously you've got a few riders, well, a few Australian track stars and a few... Um, yeah, well. we we do. I mean, we've got probably I can I haven't checked, but I think we probably have the largest team um, on the UCI calendar with sixteen riders, which is the maximum road riders that you can sign on a pro ride team. Um, and it will still be very difficult for us to juggle the season, given that eight of those riders are specific track riders. So um, yeah, I mean, the thing is that. The the riders, Nettie, Amy and, and Macy, um, that are track-specific, I'd say Macy's not real track-specific, but she'd like to go to the Commonwealth Games. It's hard for a pro team to manage that, and some pro teams just won't. Um, but um, in our case, I, I do take a lot of ple- pre- um, pleasure out of giving them the opportunity to prepare on the track and use our program where and when possible to... Um, develop them to be stronger to win their gold medals on the track and I mean we we as a pro team benefit from that and I take, personally take a lot of pleasure out of seeing them do well so and I don't know Macy very well but the other two girls have just been an absolute delight to work with um you know very down to earth and um appreciative which is very important I think um and yeah I'm looking forward to 2018 I just wish really hope the best for for all of them it's been quite a 
a shift in in the in the squad. I mean, you've got you know Georgia Bronzini and Julian mm. Dior um, going out, and they're obviously you know been a big part of um, your you know your wins in recent years and your top performances. Um, how's that? Gonna, yeah. How's that going to affect things? Do you think? Well, I mean, this is a, a huge change for us next year with eight new athletes. Um, I, I mean, basically, a lot of teams only have ten athletes, so it's like a, a new team, um, which is a new challenge for our management staff. Um, for next year, so we obviously don't know how the team's going to to mesh. Um, we tried to, I mean, Georgia's uh, quality in our team in the last recent years has been, I think, a morale lifter and a, a mentor for everyone else with all of their experience. That will be lost, and we also had that this year from Emmy Johansson, who was absolutely fantastic. So those two kind of role models that we had in the team that we've lost, we haven't actually really been able to replace there's not too many people like Georgia Bronzini or Emma Johansson in his team environment in regards to performances we tried to replace Yolene with Kirsten Wheel um, I think if there's anyone that could beat Yolene that's probably the only person in a head-to-head sprint um, when she's on good form so you know Yolene's also been on the top for a long time um, she won so many races last year and this year the year before also um, I'm going to miss Yolene very dearly um, on a personal level and on a, um, a team and organisational level and obviously her performances and, and wins. But uh, it also may be a positive to have lost those two riders in a way that it opens opportunities for other riders and it, we can race a little bit more openly. And I think Sometimes that that works because it's a little bit more unpredictable who Wiggle High Five are going to be working for in, in our tactics. We we think we have a lot of riders, um, eight from last year, that have capabilities to win races, but because we've had this clear dominant sprinter that they may not have had opportunities. So I'm looking forward to you know giving them those opportunities. And I think if we, we go back to our early days of a team, that's how we raced and won. So, yeah, I think... You can win with all different types of teams. Um, we're keeping an open mind. I think on paper it's not as strong as it has been um, in the past, but like I said, it could be could be a positive. Um, we've got a little bit stronger support come in for the mountains for um, Elisa yeah. um, with a strong Austrian climber and uh, Iri Yonamimi. Yeah, I'm staying positive, but obviously it's, um, I think, a... A lot to do with atmosphere in our team, with the core riders that we have. We need to keep it a nice atmosphere, and that really comes down to the staff. And just finally, something I've always been interested in is uh, how do you how do you deal with being you know like on the commentary um, team, and at the same time you know watching your watching your team go around on the road. Um, how do you deal with the the emotions there? Uh, I think if if I look back, um, this year was probably the first year that I didn't have. I think I have a race where I kind of got emotional and um, choked because we've had the Chloe Hosking win on the Champs-Élysées. Mm. was really difficult. Shaky voice, couldn't speak, um, you know, just went quiet. And I can't show emotion in my job. I need to be very neutral. And before that, we had Laura Trott winning in London, um, which was massive for us um, at Ride London. Um, it was another time that I, I couldn't speak. Obviously, I commentate the Olympics when we had three riders in a break of five coming into the finish. So um, that was a bit difficult to commentate. But this year I didn't, um, maybe we didn't because we didn't have, um, let's say, massive wins that I was commentating. We had a big, big wins in China and a stage in California for Georgia. Um, Elisa rode really well at the um, both the Giro and the La Course race. Um, but not, not those moments where you, your emotions just overwhelm you. So I hope to have more of those. Um, it's a it's a feeling that you just can't describe. I mean, you you just literally just can't open your mouth, or if you do, you know it'll sound shaky and just stop. So, um, I mean, we won this year uh, Madrid, which was we had some sponsors there, and for me that was a very satisfying moment. But I think I I expected it. So yeah, um, seeing Yolene um, sprint into the finish is what we planned and what we expected. And um, yeah, it was not as emotional as in the past. Well, thanks, thanks for your time, Michelle. Um, thanks yeah. for the chat. Yep. Bye.
you sort of interrupted uh, um, going through our list of Australian riders there um, when we stopped on capturing Garfoot, mainly to reflect on that amazing World Championships performance. Uh, but Shara Gillow arguably had an equally impressive season this year. Um, she really stepped out from the shadow of working for Rabo Live as a, mostly as a domestic. I mean, obviously they've got tremendous riders over at Rabo Live, but she got uh, more of a chance at FDJ. And I think we saw that she took that chance with, you know, both hands. She was um, probably, probably where she first caught my attention was on Strada Bianchi, um, where she was out the front there and she looked like she might even take the win, but just got overhauled at the end and ended up taking six there. But apart from that, she was really up the top during out throughout that whole spin in terms of races. Um, she was Durango, um, eighth in Yorkshire, seventh in Liège, fifth in Flesh, uh, third in GP de Plumelec. Uh, what else have we got here? Yeah, fifth in La Course as well. So it's been a step up, but um, unexpected or not? What's, what's your thinking here? No, it's really great. I think you're right, stepping away from first the Green Edge family and then away from the Burbank team has given her that um, ability to really um, think about how she wants to race. And you can see that this year she was racing the races. She wasn't just using her time trial abilities or her climbing abilities. She was actually, like, st being strategic and, and making good moves. So, yeah, I think she's got more in her for sure. She's certainly got the physical capabilities. So now she's got that confidence and a team built around her. She can, she can achieve a lot. Yeah, where, where do you think that her real strengths lie because obviously we've seen in, um, her time trialing ability in the past. I mean, she's the three times national championship winner in the TT and, and recently, especially um, her amazing climbing abilities. Um, but, you know, also those hilly races like Strada Bianchi. I mean, where, where's, where's the big breakthrough going to come, do you think? Yeah, I think um, she's probably going to be a good stage racer because she has those time trial and climbing abilities. So I think, Maybe she could do well in like tours in Italy and Spain, um, but yeah, for sure the one-day races like Strada Bianca that have that 2,000 or more meters of climbing in one day, I think she can really excel there and go for those longer breakaways that um, come back together and reform. And yeah, she can play the game that way, the long game. Yeah, um, and finally, of course, uh, Chloe Hosking, who is. Uh, arguably one of the better sprinters in the world. And she took a, a different path to her season this year, obviously going with Ali Cipollini and opting to focus um, a bit more on staying at home in Canberra with her partner and uh, pursuing her law career. It's all a, a, a certain d a difference in her results, I'd say. Um, she took a, she still took a number of um, big sprint wins, obviously at the TDU, the Dwenster, Arc van Westerveld and... Uh, also, the points classification at Chongming, and I think there was a stage win in there in Norway as well. So, I mean, the number of top results, but maybe not quite the that same high caliber we expect from Klonowski. I mean, that's being mean, I feel. Is that being mean, Gracie? I asked if she thought this was one of her best seasons, and she said, for sure, it's one of the best seasons. It might not be the most winningest season um, that she's had. Mm. Overall, like, she's been super consistent. She's showing that she can win over tougher courses um, she's been working on that climbing as well so yeah she's really becoming a bit of a complete rider for at least the one day racing so and she's really happy whenever I see her she's she's really in a good place so I think that move to LA and spending more time at home is really working for her and it's she's just one of those people that's forged her own path in the past but now she's forging another new path for riders to see well you don't have to do it this, this is the only way. So it's, um, she's setting a good example for the rest of us, I think. Yeah, and um, obviously she's going to be, you know, a big player for, um, for the future in, in indeed any Australian events where um, we see a, a sprint coming up. I hope we see Chloe Hosking there at the front because she's a great character to talk to, especially after the race. Um, always ready with a quote and, uh, and she's always happy to have a laugh as well. So, yes, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's plenty. Personality, that's for sure. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people in the Australian peloton who do like having a laugh. Um, unfortunately, we lost one of them, um, kind of, uh, to the, well, to the World Tour, at least. Um, Carly Taylor, distinctive laugh in the peloton. Yep, that's for sure. She's um, <laughs> known for her laughing and her 
her silliness. But um, yeah, she's a big personality that'll be missed by many, not just the Aussies. But um, I think for her, she's probably made the right decision from what she's said in the in the media. So sometimes you have to make those tough decisions and go what's best for you. And she's had a really good career as well. So I think she's got a lot to look back on and be proud of. Well, yeah, um, obviously, you know, very storied career, um, a bit of a journey woman in, in the women's women's scene, um, never seems to stick with the team for too long. But I mean, she keeps on getting picked up because she's such a writer, such quality and such a good teammate to have around. Um, but nonetheless, she'll be heading off to Holden's women's uh, racing for next year. And I guess you'll see her at the summer racing. If you're, are you, are you doing the summer racing this year? Gracie, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'll do most of it, just not TDU. Okay. Um, well, we'll look ahead to the 2018 season now. And what's what's exciting you about this next season? Um, is, are there any particular races or developments that you um, have particularly caught your eye so far? Um, personally, I always really look forward to the Spring Classic, so I'm going to be targeting those. And that t um, ties in really well next year with the Commonwealth Games. So the Com Games is two weeks after Flanders, so hopefully I'll be on peak form, I'll be on a hot streak by then. That's my plan. <laughs> um, and then I get excited for some big team goals. So um, as a team, we really want to win the Giro Rosa with Anamique. Um, so I really want to be part of that team. And I think it's very possible. And plus we've got um, everyone's just stepping up. So I think as a whole, as a unit, this might be the best group that we've ever had. I think we're all capable of some really big things together. Yeah, and uh, what's Gene Bates like as um, your director sportif there? Um, I, always, I always find him to be quite a mild-mannered individual in the interviews, but um, I see on the videos that you guys make that he's quite a fun character as well. Oh, yeah. He's one of those people that might take a little while to get to know, but, yeah, he's been a huge asset to our team. He's very professional. He can switch on when it matters and he gets the most out of us, but then he can have a laugh and get... Um, get most of our bad jokes. So, <laughs> no, he's, he's been really good for the team and I'm really glad that he's sticking around for the next season. And we've got a new director as well that's going to take a little bit of load off um, with Martin Vespi. So he's the husband of Emma Johansson, who used to be on our team. Kind of like the, the circle's all coming back together again a little bit. And um, he's going to be really good for us too. He's, he works a little bit differently to Jean, but he's got a heap of experience with his own racing plus working with women's teams for a long time. So he's got a lot of value to add as well. So I think having those two people instead of one is going to be another big thing for our team, another step forward professionally as well. Yeah, I often describe it to people who don't know um, in, uh, that cycling is a very tight-knit community. And I think in women's cycling that goes double um, because there's you know less, pe less people involved at um, both the top end and in the, in the staff and administration. So... Yeah, you do, you do tend to see those same names crop up. And, yeah, it's nice in some ways, isn't it, uh, that you get to see all those familiar faces around. Yeah, I really like I think, actually, some male riders and male team staff members, they, they always get a bit jealous because um, sometimes they only see a teammate or a staff member once a year, whereas we see each other every week and we have lots of in-jokes and a lot of fun and we all get to know each other really well. So, yeah, it's pretty fun to be part of something like that. Mm. And any any quick um, observations about the rest of the teams um, in the Women's World Tour? There's been quite a few transfers um, that have caught the eye recently. Um, it, yeah, it appears that um, you guys are going to be uh, big players in the sprints these days, um, whereas maybe a team like um, Wiggle uh, High Five is transitioning um, away from maybe some of their more established stars to um, a bit more new talent and it yeah it looks like it'll be an interesting shake-up of the uh, maybe the established order next year yeah there's definitely been some big transfers um my favorite transfer was yolene coming to our team <laughs> i've been wanting to race for a long time um but yeah i think in other teams it's going to be interesting it's always interesting when you get to those first races in europe to see how they work together it's always weird to see a few people in different colors you have to get used to what they look like again um, but there's some new talent coming through, like you said. Um, some younger riders coming from America and some younger riders, European riders coming through the ranks. So 
I think just in general the dynamics are changing and um, I think our team's definitely going to be one of the more dominant teams though so I'm pretty happy to be part of that. <laughs> Well, great. We, we certainly look forward to seeing um, that that dominance um, on the women's world tour next season. Um, yes, Gracie. Um, any anyone you want to shout out uh, whilst whilst you're here, and we forgot to mention um, egregiously or something like that. Oh, probably. I always hate this part of an interview. No, I just <laughs> definitely. Um, like I said in the start of the podcast, really happy to be part of my husband's new changing career in cycling. So I think you'll see a lot more of him both in men's cycling and women's cycling in the future. So it's cool to have someone like that on in my corner. So I'm really excited for next year, both for him, for me, and for us. Oh, well, there's a positive note to lead it on. Um, and, yeah, if you want to catch up with um, Gracie, you can see her at the summer racing. Um, I'll be down there as well. So drop me a bell if you want to. Um, you can catch up with me um on Twitter, uh, at Breakdown Pod, or you can find um, my site on Facebook. So tune into that for any updates. Um, Gracie, do you have any uh, social links? Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Gracie Alban, all underscore. I've got a website, but I haven't updated it recently. So <laughs> I've been meaning to write a blog about my year, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me on all the regular stuff apart from that. Okay, yeah, and she's one of the best writers to follow. She posts, posts good pictures, um, which is, you know, I mean, I think that's Dee Rigura for being a cyclist these days. You have to have you have to have those Instagram skills, don't you? Yeah, it's probably not a have to, but it definitely helps, I think. Um, I enjoy it anyway. I try not to take it too seriously. I just post what I want to post and when I want to post it, and I, I don't expect anything out of it. I think that's the key thing is I'm not... I'm not searching for more followers. I just try and be myself. This is probably as good a place as any to put in a plug for a sponsor, Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel. In an exciting new update, the current uh, shipment of jerseys have all been made and finished. They're now just being shipped. Um, I just saw a tweet the other day um, which um, showed that they were arrived in the back of a big van and there's quite a lot of stuff there. So that stuff's getting shipped out to the people who supported the, the Kickstarter and did some pre-orders. So hopefully you should be getting your stuff soon. If you haven't uh, jumped on board yet, you can go to the online store at www.com.au and check out the amazing stylish kit that they've got on offer there. We should probably end up this uh, podcast now. Thank you for joining us, taking up far too much of your time already. Oh, that's okay. Thanks for talking and it was a pleasure to be on. Okay, and we'll catch you around. See you guys.